AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. A camel Episode 53, Season 8 of the Fine Fighting Got a Podcast. I'm joined by Bardi. Hello. I've flown his bill. Hello, hello. Both at the game at the weekend. We were, yeah. Was yeah. that the worst 90 minutes in terms of kind of pressure and, and kind of uh, just unbridled fear in my part? I absolutely hated that game. It's a bit like um, you're getting tortured and then the mountain comes out <laughs> like three, three quarters of the way through a big massive man comes into the room you're thinking what the fuck now the... oh, that was the last ten minutes <laughs> the, what, the mountain out of uh, Game of Thrones yeah he'll, he'll do yeah. you know, with the penalty and oh, oh, mate, insane it, how about you buddy it, it was I felt like I was watching it above my body for a lot of the time I was <laughs> severely hung over but it, it was a weird game and I, I, I didn't I didn't enjoy it I wasn't as in a bad way as I was last year because last year I felt more pressure because we were pretty good mm. and I thought we were pumping them and I really wanted to pump them but this year I was I was a bit more scared and a bit not too bad but I was pretty uh, scared well we're going to go into it definitely obviously because despite the fact that we didn't beat them it was almost like we had one by yeah. the end it was a I felt it was just utter relief like it was like I don't know it was I, I put on Twitter saying how, how can I how can something I can't control can how, how do I allow something that I can't control control me completely? Yeah. It's exactly it. It's, it's, That's football support, is it, in a nutshell? Yeah, and, and this game as well. Anyway, uh, the fight got social. Uh, this is coming out. By the time you hear this, probably on the day of the game, uh, Dortmund, we've got a social at uh, the EV bar, £5. You can get your tickets for thefightingcock.co.uk forward slash social. Come down and join us. There's about 300 people already going, so it's going to be absolutely buzzing. Um, later on in the show, we have a preview of the Dortmund game with European football expert Andy Brassel, who breaks it down, and it's a, it's a great listen, so stick around for that. Um, if you're a member of Patreon, uh, then obviously you get in free. If you've already bought your tickets, then it's too much of a faff to refund you. So come, <laughs> come find me and I'll buy you a pint. And thank you for the over 200 people that are now become patrons of the, the Fighting Cock. I'm overwhelmed by it, really. Uh, the WhatsApp group is popping. I went to bed... <laughs> On uh, Saturday night, I woke up in the morning on Sunday to 1,200 messages. <laughs> so it's quite hard to follow. But you kind of dip in, but it's, uh, it's a good bunch of people. And uh, you, what was actually really good about it is uh, a couple. Of, uh, one lad was on his own, and he, he put in the WhatsApp group, oh, I'm, I'm drinking in King's Cross, anyone fancy a pint? And like four of them went down and met him. Oh, awesome. That's what it's all about. It's community. community. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's a lovely thing. Um, on top of the kind of WhatsApp group, we are uh, doing kind of podcasts as well. So... After the Arsenal game, I spoke to Alex to get a an initial reaction to the game. So it's not what you're about to hear now with a little bit of hindsight. It was kind of a 30-minute uh, Patreon-only podcast. So if you want to hear more of what we're doing, then go to uh, Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash fighting cock. And you can come, become a patron for $7 a month. That's the price of a pint. Yes, so North London Derby. It was yeah. The game itself was the exact opposite of what I thought it would be. Like, the shape disappeared. It was almost mayhem. It wasn't like kids. <laughs> yeah, it's like watching kids play football. Yeah. It's hard to explain. There, there, was, no, there was no control on our, on our, but on our part. Um, we really missed... Um, 
Winks and we miss a Dembele kind of figure and it pretty much just became Spurs bypassing the midfield as quickly uh, as possible. Played it long, didn't we? A lot. We played it long and Ericsson, for example, Ericsson plays on average about 52 passes per match with at least two key passes. At least he creates something. This game he had like 30 passes. This didn't create a moment. He was out of it completely, play. weren't he? And he was he was bypassed and he was handled quite well by Gunduzi and Torreira who both of them did a job on him. And... Uh, um, I thought Arsenal were quite smart in the way they played against us. Yeah, I, I think without giving them too much credit, Emery he, tactics, he kind of planned out the game before it, before it happened. He I knew mean, when his subs were going to come on. I he... mean, it's very simple if, you're, if you've got a Wanyama in midfield who hasn't started a game since November and can barely run. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty much the end of Wanyama, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's a shame because he did serve us so well a couple of years ago. Played brilliantly. You know, we bought him off Southampton, £11 million. We didn't think he'd get in the side and became intrinsic to what Pochettino wanted us to do. Um, but now, kind of, give the in- injuries. He's just not up to pace, unfortunately. He needs um, four or five games of playing, and we can't afford to give him that. Not now, no, not at the moment. Um, let's talk about something positive, though. Mm-hmm. So, Soko on the back of a very poor game against Burnley, an even worse game against Chelsea. Chelsea. Some <laughs> might say, I thought he did okay, but that, the general consensus is that I was wrong. Uh, he was excellent in this game. He did. I thought it was fucking awful in the first half, but the second half shoved it down the gob. But he was just immense. I think the tackle they get on, on the Bamiyang. And I really thought Bamiyang was, was at the other end of the pitch. Yeah. So I don't know how close it was. Yeah. But he was just everywhere, you know, just um, you know, plugging gaps. Mm. Just an immense player really, just a massive positive this season. You know, um it was a position which we were very strong in, you know, his body just said we had we missed a Dembele and mm. we you know we had um when you had Ranyama, you had Dyer. Three solid players didn't have any of those three well had had a, a shadow of Ranyama and yeah, yeah. the fact that has stepped up and done what he did an, an important game because we couldn't afford to lose we lost the two previous games we had to get something out of that game and he just stepped up to the plate and it's very admirable yeah, you can't underestimate Barty can you how important that point was like we wanted to go into the game and beat them but given the game the way, the way it turned obviously they got the penalty at the end and but besides that losing to them would have been horrendous not just because it's Arsenal but also they got a point Closer to, uh, well, only, there would only been a point behind us, but also we have to go to Liverpool and Man City away. Now, we're four points ahead of them. If they lose to Man United at the weekend and we beat Southampton, that's seven. That means we can afford to go to Liverpool and Man City and lose both and still be a point ahead of them if they win all their games. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen. I think we'll go to one of those two games and get a result. It might not be a win, but we'll get we'll pick up a point in one of those two games. Um but yeah, the point, how, how important was that to just kind of make sure we got over the line and didn't lose? I know, as you said, mathematically, it's, it's a great point. But it also kind of stops their momentum. It gives us a bit more spirit. It's been a, it's been a tough week. It's been one of the worst weeks for, in Pochettino's reign at Spurs. So it, it, morally, it was a huge, it was a huge point. Uh, what's your opinion of Danny Rose in midfield? Deep line midfielder? I, I fucking loved him. It's one of those where um, it's one of those where okay, I'm not passing the ball well. I'm not doing this, but I'm going to be a thorn in their side for the entire game. And that's exactly what he was. Um, he basically got Torreira sent off because he could have let that go and let Torreira get the ball. And he could have won it at him at a later point. But if, you know, I'm going to go for the ball and I'm going to get hit. Basically, get sent off and there'll be a man down. And he was just doing stuff like that throughout the entire game, just just being a nuisance. There was um, at one point I saw um, Vertonghen was over on the left, and I, I just thought, you know, sometimes players in through movement get caught in position. 
And I was just like, oh, look, Danny Rose in the centre midfield. And he just never moved back. Yeah. And the Tongan kept going wide. It was yeah, just yeah. like, holy fuck, Danny Rose, centre midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because during the game, yeah. you wouldn't have been able to see it. Because uh, oh, I had to work for this game. But I had a ticket. Kind of gutted because it was so much worse having to watch it through a TV screen. Yeah. But I worked for this game anyhow. And uh, so Danny Rose went over. I don't remember who we brought on. It might have been Lorente. And when he brought him on... Uh, Potch pulled him over and explained something to him. And then Danny Rose just drifted into midfield. And I was like, oh my God, what are we seeing here? Um, it, I, I'm going to put it out there and hope that he never plays there again. Uh, there were times where he had the ball. There were maybe two or three Arsenal players around him. And instead of lacing it or finding his man on the left or laying it back to one of these centre-backs, he tried to beat him. But that's yeah. breaking the press, man. No, no, I appreciate it, but it's just maybe... Four times out of five, he lost the ball. I think Danny Rose saved the game for us because had before that it was um, Lorente came on for Sun, yeah. Right. Uh, they were just wandering through the midfield, even though Wanyama wasn't playing well. He, he you know, yeah, physically, he physically he, oper- he, he, he took hold of it for space. But as soon as he went out, they were just wandering through and hitting a Bamiyang. Danny Rose being in midfield, all of a sudden, give us a bit more strength. And energy. Allowed Sissoko to get up and down the pitch. Yeah. And, um, you know, he held possession where previously we'd been booting it and the ball been coming back. He won a few fouls, got players sent off, and he did change the game. I'm not, not criticising him. I'm just saying that it was mayhem when he was there. Like, it, like a, get the ball. And like I say, lace it. Just get it out. And he was like, but no, that's, no, the problem. I'm that's a, what we, we had been doing no, and it hadn't been working. I appreciate that. I really do. And look, I love Danny Rose. He was... I'd I, die for Danny Rose. Yeah. He, he, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's back in our hearts and he surely must be. Never left it. I, I love the guy. Um, I mean, obviously you look at the stat sheets, his performance wasn't very good, but it's just... It's just a nuisance. It's just there, you know. Um, just, 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 you know, shithousing them. He almost killed their goalkeeper, which he could have got sent off for. Yeah, He's right yeah. in front of him. And I thought, this looks a bit suspect. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I saw, you know, we can see what a player's thinking. Yeah. I thought, <laughs> but he had, he had he a, in his head, I'm not going to pull out of this. I'm going to yeah. put my foot up. And if it misses the ball, he's going to get it in his chest. He had a right to go for the go for the ball and he did get a toe on it so perhaps that's why he didn't get sent off but it, yeah that was a bad one uh, <laughs> dreadful uh, he also talked about Pochettino's um, team talk yes obviously Pochettino is usually very calm collected talks to his players this was kind of like war war, war of the roses yeah. uh, um, kind of just got into the players and, and, and like uh, Rose said he goes it felt like I was going out to war not for the first time have I been kind of um, motivated to play for Spurs in a way I never thought I could and it was kind of a glorious thing. And while the second half was better than the first... I don't know. I, th- I preferred how we played in the first. I thought we had a bit more control and a bit more measure to our play. And you could see what we were trying to do. I thought the second half was a little bit more... It was probably a little bit more up and at him than, than I would prefer. Would you say it was like, you know, when you're making love to a woman? And at the, the start, you're kind of composed and you're kind of taking your time and you're, you're counting the strides... Mm. And you're thinking about that, and then at the end you get a bit excited and just start pumping like a jack rattle. Or maybe when you, you've pulled out your best techniques and they're not working, so you just you just replace technique with like thrust. speed. <laughs> thrust. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what the second half was. I mean, yeah. Arsenal they seemed a bit more out of their comfort zone in the second half, mm. and that's what that's that's what I think it happened. I, I think Sissoko came out like a man possessed in the second half as well, and. And, and it worked. Let's not forget those waste men were, were wasting time and 32 minutes Mate, gone. Leno I mean, was terrible. That's that's the kind of team we're playing against now. These they're, they're Watford. I did fear the worst, and Leno did that double save. I thought, fuck it, that's going to be one of those was, days. Mate, I mean, uh, it was 
Ericsson, you think you should bury it, but it, it did kind of drop down to an incredible ball from Kane to loop yeah. it over the top. Mm. You see those missed over and over again. Lacazette had an almost identical chance <clears throat> in the, on two minutes. Uh, he, he kind of shanked it wide. Ericsson hit it straight at Leno. Anywhere else it would have been in. Drops to Sissoko. <laughs> he hits it perfectly, almost yeah. too well. And Leno, to his credit, it was... It was an incredible stop. I've, I not, seen, it was in. I've not seen the game again. So I can only, I've only got the once off. And yeah, it was it was a great stop because he was down and then he scrambled to get up and like just all oh, like Soko squared up. I was like, it can't be, <laughs> and, and I was right. Um, I think he, he has got a goal coming somewhere at some point. Yeah, he deserves it. To, it. He, yeah. he deserves it. And, and he deserves a new contract. He's going to open the scoring at um, our new ground. Yeah, you might have tear the season. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that's not bad. Who, who, who would you say is early shout for player of the season? Well, a lot of would have said Son before the last three games, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know Son will probably that. get it because he's fashionable and Sissoko is the opposite of that. But I think for me, I would say Sissoko is. I'm, that's what I'm going to vote for anyway. Yeah. Well, I always forget to vote, but I'm going to vote for him. Me too. I think I voted for him last year as well. Yeah, Kane is uh, now the leading scorer in North London derbies in Premier League history. Uh, nine overtaking Adebayor. Um well, Firstly, let's deal with the actually the header from Trippier's cross in the in the first half. Well, he was offside. Was he? Yeah, okay. yeah, he was offside by about half a yard. Um, but the header was incredible, and I was convinced that it was one nil. And I can't tell you, I fucking gutted it. Yeah, the whole st- it was quite funny. The whole stadium thought it was a thought it was a goal, but for some reason I was looking at the the linesman. Yeah, the linesman's flag went up right, straight away, and I, I looked around and it was weird because Arsenal was celebrating because it was disallowed, yeah, yeah. and then everyone around me was, was losing their shit because they thought we'd scored. It oh, was mate. it was weird. Yeah, I, t- I jumped on someone, and then when I saw the Arsenal fans celebrating, I realised something was yeah. wrong, mm-hmm. and then I saw the linesman in the fourth. I think I spoke to Ricky at half time and he says he never gets caught by this because he, he always keep an eye on the lines but he said he lost his shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. for the first time it's just so desperate though I mean, yeah. you know I mean the, sec- the Ramsey goal was just fucking painful man yeah. I've never, I didn't know Ramsey was that fast I don't know if it was because Ramsey was fast or Wanyama was slow but it was yes. very well taken goal I think if it had been Sissoko chasing him then I, I think he would have got to him mm-hmm. uh, sucker punch though that, that was because we we were kind of on top at that part of the game, yeah. and then uh, they broke away. Davis and Sanchez were very weak, challenging midfield. Should have done better, but I can put that down to experience. And it is what it is. They, another day, he could have been called offside, but he was just inside his half when it was played through. <coughs> Our goal was a, a kind of a bone of contention. It has been over the last couple of days, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it is. So the the uh, the cross in from Ericsson, I think. Um, was Lamella? Was it Lamella took the free kick? All oh, right, okay. Uh, L- uh, Lamella. Sorry, I don't know. There's like I would say we had a line of six players offside. Yeah. And you know you have to be interfering with play, so maybe Kane was. He gets barged in the back. One of the most ridiculous challenges I've ever seen. I saw the push right in front of me, but I didn't think the referee was going to see it. Mm. Um. So Arsenal fans had a right, I think, to be kind of a little bit miffed why that wasn't given to offside. But the rules of the game apparently is that. The barge, the foul, I've had this confirmed by Andy Brassel as well, the barge is uh, supersedes the offside decision. So yeah. the foul supersedes, it's almost like a, the more severe of the offences. Yeah. So the penalty was correctly given. So even with VAR next year, that would have been given as a goal. It's the law, man. Can't bless the law. Can't blame the law. It's a fucking but high I'm pressure penalty though, isn't it? I'm a little bit gutted that I, I want to win badly. <laughs> I, I want to win by cheating. 
But it feels like it, it feels like we have. Yeah. It <laughs> so that's, that's the next best thing. Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, yeah, the pressure on Kane. And we've seen it over and over again. The guy is ice cold. It really is. Beautiful penalty as Changed well. it up as well. Yeah. He yeah. always goes left, doesn't he? He always goes... Normally he goes left or he goes centre. If he's really shitting it, he'll go centre. But he's been caught out a few times. But he doesn't... He very rarely goes that side. Has so there the, a penalty saved? Uh, not, yeah, yeah. Not this season. Oh, who? Oh, not this season. Whatever. No, he has... Well, I've seen his guy one against Southampton. Not, I don't yeah. know if he's had one saved. Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. But then he's... Yeah, that's about it. And when he was um, a kid as well. Oh, against Hearts. Yeah. This... Um, um, it's our first his first penalty we've had at home all season. Yeah, that's mad. In two seasons at Wembley. Um, yeah, on, on the kind of graph, he, he showed that he'd taken four of his last five, smashed it down that left-hand side. Mm. Um, are you confident now that the kind of we, we can see the season out and get into that top four? You know what, I can't believe I'm saying this, but um, I saw Arsenal fan TV and um, Troop said we're going to shit it and finish fifth, and United and then we're going to finish in the top four, I thought... I hope it's not right. You don't get a little bit of doubt in your head, you don't, you don't let anyone else see it, it's like... Fuck off. No, nah, don't say that. No, no. no. I mean, <laughs> we, the come out, we have got problems at the moment because the last three teams we've played against, they've all sat deep and haven't allowed us to utilise Sun and we've had issues with our midfield creating and we, we're just not creating many chances at the moment. So there is a problem there. Hopefully, uh, Delhi coming back will fix that. But I'm, I'm a little bit worried about our attacking potency at the moment. We're not scoring a lot of goals. And midfield as well. It's an issue. And I think I'll come people have figured out how to p- perhaps play Spurs well the, there's no there's no options really they um, Trippier was getting the ball in acres of space and had Trippier been a half decent human being we he probably would have scored a goal I've never there was one in the second half where we worked it beautifully through and then he's got loads of people to pick out in the middle and for some reason he just smashes it out for a throw I thought he actually had a decent game no he was awful fucking dreadful man he was, he was. I'm not gonna. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to defend him. No I'm shit. All right. I said. I said on the uh, Patreon podcast. Um, look, if we're gonna reserve our hatred for Tottenham players, let's make it just one yeah. and let all the others off. Well, the, the thing is, um, they Arsenal were clearly targeting targeting them as well. They were going, week after week. They don't. Every, yeah, everybody knows that Trippier is defensively weak, and they were they were hitting him hard. Uh, Matt THFC 1882 says, after the result has occurred, win or draw, do you get more satisfaction out of them knowing you deserve the result you received uh, or knowing that the decisions have gone in our favour and therefore have bored the piss of your opposing fans? In the North London derby against Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, in Liverpool 2-2. Yeah. That's one of the greatest results of my life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Just the anger. I mean, week, months later, they're still going on about that, that foul in Lamella. And it was a foul. <laughs> This is the thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, no, I'll take it. Like I said earlier, it, it, I, I love the fact that we got what we got from that game. And it weren't even like the, the, the kind of referees were siding with us. They, they let everything go until the last kind of 20 minutes where everything someone touched was a foul. And you'd look at the Aubameyang penalty. N- not in a million years was it a penalty. No, it was very soft. Soft ain't the word. It didn't even, he barely touched him. And the way, even the way Aubameyang felt, it was like, yeah. the skis has just kind of crumbled under his own legs. Um, Their the centre-backs were doing it a lot as well. Every time Kane challenged for a ball, um, they went, they fell over. And yeah. he was giving free kicks against him all the time. Yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit irritating. Um, I mean, the fact that Delhi's not on the team, have got no physical presence in the three behind Kane. Mm. So, Son and Alex are just like kids playing against men. And yeah. their centre-backs aren't massive by any means. And they just kept getting... 
Polak's he's, he's dealt out of the way yeah. uh, man. They, um, I, I think that Deli Ali returning will make a massive difference especially in breaking teams down that are defending because of the way he kind of finds space and moves and stuff and his little death flicks I think hopefully um, that might solve that problem Luke can play with his back to goal mm-hmm. um, I mean as much as we can Lamella on this pod Lamella's a bit more of a physical presence and when he came on oh, a yeah. lot more stuck mm-hmm. to to the three behind Kane that it did previously. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, what, 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 describe your feelings when they got awarded that penalty. I would have left, but someone told me not to. I mean, and I've seen people on Twitter say, oh, how can you fucking, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you're in there, you're stressed as fuck. Yeah, cool. And then in the last kick of the game, they get a penalty. You don't want to see them celebrate. And Aubameyang doesn't miss. He no. genuinely doesn't miss penalties. And I thought, this is it, this is it. But something told me to stay, and just the elation when we... When he saved it, and then when I leave the stadium, checked Twitter, and I saw that Vertonghen was like pretty much on the Birmingham shoulders as he <laughs> kicked it. Yeah, yeah. Made it all the more beautiful. Yeah, that's another one, isn't it? An incredible block. <laughs> I sit right on on the edge of my um, of my aisle on, in my block, so people started streaming past me. Then from nowhere, I see this egg coming up the stairs, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's Alex, and as he gets to gets to my gets, he gets to my row, he's shaking his head, and I'm not fucking staying for this. And he fucks off. And yeah. I thought, I said to my mate, oh, Alex is fucked off. And then obviously what happens, Lloris saves it. And I, I turn around and I can see in the little kind of concourse, I see Alex's little head popping up. <laughs> I was just like, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, fuck, fuck off. off. Go on. <laughs> if I could have, I would have escorted him out. I fucking didn't deserve to stay to celebrate that. Um, I, I was saying to him as well, it's like he, he heard the, uh, I'd loved it if he, in a way, if it wasn't Arsenal, he heard the save, comes running back and they, Smash the rebound in the I don't know if you've seen the footage of Aubameyang's penalty, but I've never seen a human being look more scared than, than he looked. It's really? like the colour drained from his face. And you, you watch, go, go and watch the video of it. He just looks so so scared, so terrified. And Lawrence is just giving him the eyes, and it was an awful penalty. But th- there's something that only occurred to me uh, today that um, because Vertonghen took such a head start in encroaching mm. that's the only reason why he was probably able to make the tackle yeah absolutely to stop the tapping which is great it's the only way he got there uh, and we also encroached on our own penalty apparently as well two of our players but they did as well they yeah. came in as well but apparently a couple of their players are in the box too when, um, on Aubameyang's penalty so yeah. ah, swing to nine of us but oh, it's such a fucking awful game I mean um, last year we were just confident Th- throughout in leading up to the game I was confident the day we were smashed them and it was fine but Last Saturday was just. This reminded me of the mid noughties Yeah, it was tough. I have to say, yeah, I did get that distinct feeling during that game. Anyway, we got the point. Yeah, we don't have to go through that for another six, seven months. Yes, whatever it is, <clears throat> done now. Yeah, we definitely can't get him. We can't drop down to Europa League, so it's all good. <laughs> you know, just, just in my head, I was like, that can happen. <laughs> Uh, okay, now we've got a, a, a very special segment. Andy Brassel, a lovely man, doesn't get paid for this. Don't pay him. He, he's um, he, he hear him running if he talks sport, ESPN. Uh, I think he writes at stand as well. He's very knowledgeable about European football. And for the next two minutes, you're going to hear us talk about Dortmund and what's been happening over there and whether or not Spurs can go all the way in the Champions League. Firstly, Andy, how impressed were you with Tottenham in the first leg against Dortmund? I think they were terrific, especially in the second half. Um, and really, I, I don't think it was maybe that different to the game at Wembley last year in the fact that um, in, in the first half, um, Dortmund had territorial advantage. Spurs were 
fighting to stay in the game, I, I think, and, and fighting to, to, to stay level, um, but really came on after the break. And they did that even more so in the game at Wembley this year when they were facing a better Dortmund side. Um, a Dortmund side that's going through a bit of a difficult moment, but nowhere near as disorganised as the one that came under Peter Bosch last season. So I think it showed how much Tottenham have have come on and you know for them to make a dent in the last 16 in the Champions League is, is is really something Dortmund seem to be a club in total flux every single season They've, we've played them I think three times out of the last four years in the Champions League and Europa League um, yeah. yeah every time we, uh, we've played them it seems like we're playing a completely different club what, what, what's going on at Dortmund or what, what has gone on yeah well so much has changed um, in, in the last little while I mean um, you know when you go back to when um, they played so well at White Hart Lane under Thomas Tuchel um, the football was pretty much often very good under Thomas Tuchel but is personal relationships behind the scene not always the healthiest um, as well he had to deal with the bus attack um, which is something that it was difficult for the, the, the club to come to terms with it was something um, that you know, I, I think the, the the long-term effects of it is something that are not perhaps acknowledged like psychologically on some of the players. And then you had uh, Peter Bosch, who was a, a bit of an unusual appointment after after Tuchel went because they initially want Lucien, wanted Lucien Favre, who they had now. And Bosch is like, you know, that's a 360 turn in terms of the type of coach he is. Um, so he was someone who was dealing with a squad that was getting over a major trauma, um, who was dealing with the fact that he was a second choice coach, really wasn't that experienced at elite level and had quite an unbalanced squad. So for them to get into the Champions League this season, you know, they really scraped it in the end. They were lucky. They were what a goal, two goals from missing out um, instead of Leverkusen uh, after they lost on the final day against Hoffenheim. Um, and, and what Favre's done in, in the little while that he's been in charge has, has been absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think really recent results have um, sort of acknowledged the fact that um, he has had an awful lot to do. And defensively, they've had their issues, not just under Bosch and Peter Stöger last season, but going back to Tuchel, going back all the way to Klopp, really, because, you know, you can look at the fact that under Klopp, uh, Dortmund played the Champions League final at Wembley, of course, against Bayern. And that back four, that reference back four that they had of uh, Pisek, Subotic, Hummels and Schmelzer, after that, because of injuries, they didn't play together for another, what, two years? A um, year and a half, two years? So they've never really got themselves to a point where they've been completely defensively stable since. Now, I think if you look at Dortmund's last 10 games, there's a number of different defensive combinations, not all of which have involved specialist defenders. So when you look at Dortmund's defensive record in this last little while, that has been their major problem. And Roman Berkey, who received so much criticism after his performance in the group stage at Wembley last season, has, has been one of the players who's been one of their best players this season and has saved them on a number of occasions. I remember the, uh, you were talking about the two-call side that kind of tore apart Tottenham in both legs in the Europa mm. League, um, especially at White Lane. They were un unbelievable at Bamiyang, especially. Um, but I remember being in Dortmund when they beat us 3-0 and for the first time in ever and since, uh, the Spurs fans applauded an op op opposing side off the pitch. 
and Hummels, especially at the back, was incredible. And he he noticed the kind of the Spurs fans applauding and kind of came over and clapped us as well. But it was kind of they were so good and and so incredible. And then the the season I think was it, was it the next season we played them or was it the season after? It was mm. just like a, a completely different football club, and the kind of fear factor of our oh, Borussia Dortmund had come into Tottenham was completely gone. And the same this time, even though they were the top of the league, you said they were going through some problems defensively. Is that kind of the crux of what's gone wrong? Because then that they were seven points clear, if I'm right. They're now level on points for Munich. Yeah, they, they were seven points clear um, at, at Christmas. They were they were nine clear just before Christmas. Um, so yeah, it has been incrementally chipped away the lead. Um, I mean, it looked as if they'd ridden out the Bayern storm. And then in, in recent weeks, um, they've, they've had a lot of problems at the back. And yes, that has been the main problem. They gave up a 3-0 lead at home to Hoffenheim and only drew that. Um, you know, there, there are other games they should have won. They've struggled to break teams down um, away from home, which I suppose you could say without Marco Royce, that was part of their problem in, in the first half at, at Wembley. They couldn't really make their dominance count. Um, but because they've had to change, because they've been so stretched at the back, they've had to change the midfield a little bit as well. And in terms of shielding the back four, that has implications and that has issues as well. Um, I mean, I think that is their major problem really going into the second leg. The fact that, I mean, Marco Royce gave an interview to Kicker today and he's he's fit for this second leg and it, it looks like he will play. Um, he was saying if, if we can keep them out, keep Spurs out for 60 minutes, then we're in the game. We've got a chance. And I, th- I think that's a, that's a fair assumption. Just the difficulty is how do they keep Spurs out for 60 minutes or how do they keep Spurs out, period? And, you know, if Spurs score, they have to score five, which mm. is really, really difficult to imagine, even with the fact that they do have attacking clout and they do have options off the bench. So um, that's where Spurs really hold the upper hand here. I think you've seen in the fact that Dortmund have gone away to teams recently, like Augsburg, where they lost on Friday, um, who are struggling at the moment, uh, like Nuremberg, the bottom team, who they drew nil-nil at um, a couple of weeks ago. When they're forced to make the play, they find it difficult. You know, very much like they were under Klopp, they're a reactive side. They're a counter-attacking side. And of course... Spurs have the luxury of not having to go to Tottenham, uh, not having to go to Dortmund and, and chase the result. So that, as well as the, the brilliant score from the first leg, as well as the clean sheet, is why Tottenham have all the cards in their hand. And how do you anticipate the game going tomorrow night? Um, well, I would expect a, a bit of a push uh, from Dortmund at the start. We know they can play with pace. Um, we know the fact that um, Axel Witzel can uh, bring the ball out and launch attacks pretty quickly um, in midfield. Uh, we know that um, they have the likes of Royce, uh, Paco Alcacer, who I, I guess you anticipate would start as well, uh, Jaden Sancho. You know, there is a lot of quality in that final third, um, they will be aiming, aiming for an early goal and hoping that, that Spurs wobble because you know, the idea of, as Marco Royce said, keeping Spurs out for an hour and then giving it a push is a lovely idea in theory. But the reality is Dortmund have been so accident prone at the back. I don't really see how they can go into this game and defend. That's something that for Lucien Favre's side normally would make quite a lot of sense. But 
of course, you're, you're allowing Tottenham to get set as well if you don't really make a move for the first hour. And that makes it more easier for them to, 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 to close out the, the, the final part of the game. So really, Dortmund are going to have to go for it from the beginning. And maybe that's where Tottenham get their opportunity. And realistically, if we get through this tie, how far do you think Tottenham can go? It's a very kind of challenging competition this year, especially with English clubs. You know, Liverpool and City have got to be, in my opinion, favourites to, to go all the way. I think they're both, both very strong. Um, can you think of other examples where there are kind of Spurs levels of quality in other teams in Europe historically that have gone on to do very well in the competition? Is, is that a difficult well, question to answer? No, I, I, I think I think Tottenham have have got a good chance of going deep into the competition. I mean, obviously it's very draw dependent, um, but I think what works for them is I mean, you pointed out Liverpool and City there, and on paper, fair enough. Uh, I, I think yes, they do have the squads, they do have um, the options, they do have the, the the players to go deep into the competition themselves. The fact that it's such a tight title race. And that, especially for Liverpool, it means so much to them. Manchester City, I'm still not convinced about when it comes to the, the, the back end of the Champions League. And I think if you look at Pep Guardiola in recent years in, in, in the Champions League, you know, of course, he's been unlucky. Of course, it's a cut competition. There are circumstances like in, in 2016, if they played that second leg, Bayern against um, Atletico Madrid, another 100 times they'd win 99 of them but, but the fact is he's not won the Champions League since 2011 and that's something that if we're having a, a pop at Jose Mourinho for his recent lack of success in the Champions League we have to question Guardiola as well so I think for, for Liverpool that first leg um, of Bayern makes it a, a little bit complicated um, not impossible but complicated they did keep the clean sheet of course um, I think Tottenham, with where they are in the league, with the sense that they're not really in the title race in the Premier League, that, that they were never really in the title race in, in the Premier League, that gives them a bit of freedom to have a go at this. I love the way they've developed in the Champions League over the last couple of seasons. I think up until the point in the second half against Juventus where they were knocked out at Wembley last season, that they were certainly the best English team in the competition to that point and, and one of the best teams in the competition period. Um They've done it the other way around this season. You know, they really struggled to get through the group stage and they needed that push at the end. And then, you know, they've gone from strength to strength and given that fantastic performance against Dortmund at Wembley in the, in, in the first leg. Now, if if they go on from here, you know, people all over Europe respect Spurs and respect Pochettino. And I think the other thing that really plays for them, if you look at the field, you look at the fact that Atletico getting drawn against Juventus isn't, absolute godsend really for everyone else in the draw because it means that when you go to the quarterfinals one of the two best defenses in the competition will have been knocked out looks like it's Juventus at the moment who are you know to my mind have always been a definite contender for this you know they positioned themselves like that by buying Cristiano Ronaldo that's what it was all about about the Champions League and that's why it'll be such a failure for them if they go out now, now that opens up the field a little bit more if you lose Juventus. If you end up, if they end up pulling off an incredible comeback, then, you know, that means Atletico, who are another very, very tough nut to crack, come out of the competition. I think it's a really open field. And, you know, it's been a while since you've had a real dark horse win the competition. You could say Porto 2004, um, Liverpool uh, 2005. But really, I think if you go back to... If, if you go back to 2017, 
And if you look at Monaco getting to the semi-finals, that's the sort of template that Spurs should be going for. Of course, they have that way, and we've seen it frequently in the Premier League this season, of grinding out results. And I think that's going to be very, very useful for them in knockout football. Hopefully, from their perspective, that will see them through the second leg at Dortmund, and I do expect them to, to go through. But honestly, I think Tottenham can have every belief that they're going to have a good run in the back end of this competition. Amazing. So there you have it. Andy Brassel, football expert. Spurs are going to win the Champions League. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on, Andy. Uh, If anyone wants to follow you on Twitter, what's your handle? Andy Brassel. Two S's, two L's. Beautiful. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you. Hi, this is Wendy, back with the weekly youth update, looking at our young players and players out on loan. And I'll start off with the under-23s, who got a very creditable one-all draw against Chelsea at Stevenage on Friday night. Our goal was an own goal, but we played much of the game with 10 men after Jaffet Tanganga was sent off for a second bookable offence for hauling down his man in the box. That gave Chelsea a penalty and they equalised. We apparently played well in the second half, though, and Janil Bennett could have scored. Um, and it sounds like he had a really strong game, so that's good to hear. The under-18s, meanwhile, beat West Ham 5-3 on Saturday morning. We're still top of the table, still unbeaten in the league. And this game was notable because we had a trialist playing and he scored two goals. So Keon Etet, I think that surname pronunciation is correct, was on trial from Notts County. I presume this has come about because Notts County's former uh, academy manager, John Goodman, is currently the assistant head of player development at Spurs, has been since October, so there's a link there. Etes is someone who's made his debut for Notts County already, albeit um, he's, he's just 17. So he's obviously a player of promise. He's got a pro contract, so if we were to sign him, then there would need to be a fee involved. But it kind of makes sense because we don't have that many strikers at the club. I suspect Shane Harrison will move on permanently in the summer. It could even be the case that Kaziah Sterling moves on permanently or at the very least will be on loan for next season. So Etet's transfer would make a lot of sense. Moving on to the loanees, Marcus Edwards played the full 90 for Excelsior against PSV. That's a tough game for Excelsior, who are complete minnows compared to PSV. Uh, Kaziah Sterling was not involved once again for Sunderland. Likewise, George, Kevin and Kudu was not involved for Monaco and Josh Onoma missed out for Sheffield Wednesday through injury. Connor Ogilvy, though, played the full 90 at centre-back for Gillingham. Cameron Carter-Vickers played the full 90 for Swansea. Shayna Harrison played 64 minutes for Melbourne. Sam Shishua played again for Atletico Balleros and was one of their star players. And Anthony Georgiou played just over an hour for Levante's B-side. That's it for this week. If you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Commonly Spurs. Thank you, Andy Brassel, and thank you, Wendy. Cheers. Thank you. Um, five got back by fans bet. A great betting company who gives half of its profits back to football fans. If you fancy a flat run of football, uh, then go to fansbet.co.uk forward slash. No, that's it. And then select the uh, fighting cock in the drop down, and we get recognised for your playing. <coughs> Excuse me, I just ran upstairs. Um, <laughs> The Mirror are linking Bale with a return to Spurs. I heard Isco as well in this deal, but maybe Bale uh, for Christian Eriksen going the, the other way. Well, the way Christian Eriksen's playing, a lot of people say, to well, pay his airfare to, to go back. Um, 
Bell is thirty this year. I'm not sure how much he's got left, but it would give the would give the fans a lift. The Madrid fans are crucifying him at the moment as well. That's that's what Madrid fans do though. When things aren't going their way, they they start whistling you. And Ericsson Ericsson it will, if he goes there, he'll get exactly the same treatment. You have to be a superstar every week, like Ronaldo is, or kind of like kind of like be Ronaldo's fluffer, like Benzema was, to be able to survive there. Mm. Uh, it's interesting that Bale's agent has come out and, and made a comment about the, uh, the kind of abuse that he's getting from the fans, which would suggest that he's kind of his time at uh, Madrid is done. I think the biggest stumbling block for getting him back at Spurs would be kind of wages and how much he's willing to kind of drop. I think he's on six hundred k a week, stuff like that. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> how we I mean we don't compete with that. So it's about him kind of wanting to fill a kind of romantic return and whether Pochettino even wants him. I mean, would he? He must fit in. Yeah, he fits. <laughs> he fits, yeah. yeah. If he's fit, he fits. Where does he play? He play behind Kane, I'd imagine. But or I don't on know. top of Kane. Well, yeah, I guess <laughs> Kane back up. But I don't know if he's got the legs to play, you know, any deeper than... Do you know anything about Sanders. his injury? Like, how badly it's affecting him? What's he plays playing style like now? I'm not sure. No, I haven't watched much of it. Um, but I take him, like, you know... He's still, um, he's still he's still able to change games. We saw in the Champions League final last year, he came on and he has the ability to, to win matches with his left foot. And until he kind of loses his physicality, which he still seems to have a bit of, he's going to be a fantastic player. But I don't see us paying that kind of money for, for, for his transfer fee or his wages. Oh, it's only no, 50 mil plus Ericsson. There's no sell-on value as well. So yeah. it'll be, be amazing if Spurs do go for it. And I think Isco is the preferred one. I think, you know, from the outside looking in, I don't think they've really warmed to Gareth Bale. He didn't learn, doesn't speak any Spanish, and I don't know, they just never really seemed to really warm to him as such. So. I think it's like Bardi says as well, like either you're a world beater or you're not, and that's the, what, what they kind of expect. Obviously, they're getting done by Barcelona as well, so kind of didn't help. Uh, Redknapp, which one? Uh, the dad. Harry Redknapp said, our side two years ago with Carl Walker is better than our current side. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, I think... Um, a bit of context that I think at the start of the season he was kind of saying well it's okay we've not bought anyone he's, been, he's, he's of... been banging that drum all season pretty much though on BT Sport we're, 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 remind me of our side with Carl Walker it would have been Walker and Rose isn't it <coughs> it's, this, it's the famous picture of us playing 3-4-3 uh, three, three, and I think we had Dyer in our back three yeah with Vertonghen and Alderweireld Renyama Dembele um, Son uh, fuck uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, think... I mean it's, it's obvious <coughs> because two years on our players aren't as good as they were. Dembele has gone. Um, other players have got older. They've fallen foul of injuries. So it's it's really not being a twat because it's it's obvious. It's an obvious thing to say. Mm. I mean, I, I probably yeah, you'd agree with him. Totally. We've got more points in th- this season than we did that season. So yeah, Barcelona's side was better too. This Barcelona yeah. team was better than two years ago because people were a little bit younger. Uh, the vloggers and filming at games is this kind of reaction to the. The well, Arsenal clip and I think the Arsenal, Arsenal clip and I guess Ricky's tweet yesterday. What um, was Ricky's tweet? Oh, fuck. You asked me to remember what he Par- said. Just paraphrase. Um, he said that it, it wasn't for him. He finds it strange how people are willing to, to put their emotions through a camera. So what, a missed the, miss the moment. and the moment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you think? For me, I just think, <clears throat> if Kane misses a penalty in the North London derby and I'm filming myself and he misses a penalty, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't upload it. Yeah, that's what I found a bit weird. I think, I think vlogging on the whole is one of those things that's not gonna, it's not really going to go away. Um, you know, I guess what are their motivations? Are they doing it for for self interest, or is it just something that they just like doing? Are they providing a service? Because in 
in the UK, I don't think it's for people, it's more for people abroad who want to get a feeling of what it's like to be at a game. Mm. I guess they feel by watching these people filming themselves at games, they probably it's, feel that they're in the crowd. You've seen this kid, he's got like floppy hair, uh, he must be about 15, 16, and fuck knows how he's getting away with it, but he's filming all of the game on his phone, putting it up on YouTube. What, Tottenham? Yeah, Spurs. <coughs> and he doesn't speak, he just shows the <coughs> game, and then shows the celebrations of the fans, and then shows the game and the goals. So he's not like, say, Expressions or DT where yeah. they're commentating. He's just filming the game. And it won't be so long before you get so many copyright strikes. He's going to get... That, that kind of stuff, I kind of... I, I, there's no issue with that, if that's what you want to do. I think you, you're right about the motivation. Um, ultimately, I think the vast majority of these vloggers want to forge a career out of it. Yeah. And who can blame them? Who, who wouldn't want a career of, of kind of watching Spurs and whatnot? But um, I can see undoubtedly why people get pissed off of them it's um it's just it's the whole kind of when they looking at the camera it's they're removing themselves and it becomes it becomes no longer about the match it becomes no longer about Tottenham against Arsenal it's about how they're looking and as T said if they pro- proper fan I don't think I would want to share a really painful moment no. on with the, with the world but they do because their motivation isn't Tottenham and Arsenal it's the motivation is as you said publicizing themselves I think also the some Spurs fans don't want to look stupid. They don't want to. They don't want those moments captured on camera. Um, <coughs> what, what was the first thing everyone did when um, when DT's vlog was out? Was go to the minute they miss a penalty. Yeah. yeah. And the, the who's the guy on? It was MHP. I can't remember. Uh, MPH eighty two. Yeah, yeah. He, he he made like a compilation of yeah. all of them, <laughs> and they have like eight or nine of them. It's With the Kirby enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to see the moment their hearts break, especially yeah. Troops as well. If you saw his one, he looked like he was going to cry yeah. when that second one went over. So, look, I'm happy for Arsenal fans to keep doing it. Um, I would say that if it really, really bugs you, it's not going to ultimately impact your enjoyment of the game. Unless there's that next to you. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's that, yeah. <coughs> Apparently, the, 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 the lads from, I can't remember what the name of their channel is. Uh, we are Tottenham TV. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they've had their uh, phones slapped out their hands a couple of times. If you do it, this is what's going to come. You're kind of attracting that kind of attention, really. My behaviour sometimes at football is, is questionable. Some of my well, behaviour. Behaviour generally. Is <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't want somebody next to me documenting the stuff that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think, I'm not as, I don't, I kind of understand the ritual, but I think the ritual is not about. So if someone's angry, I don't think it's because of their anger, it's because of how they feel everyone else looks. Mm. And I think they think that, you know, they're kind of mugging us off. I think it makes Tottenham look bad. But mm. vlogging, it's not going to go away. It's the way the world has gone. I mean, when we first started doing a podcast, for example, people are saying, oh, you know, you're not doing a podcast to be famous, blah, 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 blah. And I guess now... Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, now, and I guess now you've got vloggers. I don't know what will be next after that, but mm. fuck knows. Uh, yeah, true. Uh, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. Like you say, it's a part of the modern game. And it ain't going to go away. Uh, Carl Newman. Uh, this is actually from the questions from the uh, Patreon group. Um, so we're going to prioritise some of those because they pay for it. Because it's about making money now. Hey, fuck Spurs. <laughs> fuck doing things right. It's about cash. <laughs> they're like, they're like, we're like the strippers and they're the punters. They come yeah. in, they get the attention. I wish you could just put the cream music from the Wu-Tang over this as we said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so ne- next time, next... Uh, Social, there's going to be a pint glass going around that we can flick pound coins <laughs> for, for dances. Uh, part of Patreon actually is you can slap John Bass's ass at any point during the social oh, wow. and tell him to get you a drink. 
Uh, so Carl Newman from the patron, patron group said, would you rather never be allowed to leave your country or would you rather leave your country forever and never be allowed to come back? So you have to stay in England forever or leave and never come back? I guess it depends on who I'm going with. If I could leave with my family, then I'd just leave and never come back. Where'd you go? You can go to any country in the world and go, go around and probably, I don't know, maybe... It kind of feels maybe... like you're limiting yourself if you stay. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, you that's could be fucking going holiday in Margate every year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've got... You've got kids and that. You, I'm not sure if it's fair to take them. I don't know. You can have. You can grow up just as well in other countries. I'll probably go to an English-speaking country because I know some, some you can't. <laughs> okay, maybe yeah, some some countries in a bit quite hard to grow up. <laughs> uh, I think I'd leave. Okay, I, I think I'd probably leave as well. There's too much to see. Um, can Can you read the next one from James Payton? Okay, James Payton. You've been transported to another universe, and as soon as you get there, you're told you need to make a decision. You need to press one of the following buttons. Button A, Kane runs down his contract, it'll be 27 when it expires in two seasons, and moves to Arsenal on a free. Or button B, Levy and Pochettino fall out, and Levy allows Pochettino immediately to move to Arsenal, taking his management team with him. Which button do you press? What the fuck is wrong with this geezer? Like, that's, that's one of the worst <coughs> questions we've ever been asked. No, it's and you pretty, had to put it in. It's, pretty, it's quite simple. Go on then. Kane. No, get rid of Pochettino. What? what? I can't. You can't lose Kane to Arsenal. What? I'd rather. I'd, I'd rather scuttle Pochettino for sure. Well, he takes the entire management team. Fuck it, uh, take him. What? I'd rather keep Kane. Wow. I can't lose Kane. We can't lose Kane. We can lose Pochettino. We can't lose Kane. Wow. I mean, what, what do you say? I don't know. <laughs> there are other managers Probably out there who can do better, who can do the same or perhaps better than Pochettino. There's very few strikers out there who we're, who are available that we can buy now and will be as good as Kane. Kane's one of the best strikers in the world. Pochettino is cut in the discussion as one of the best managers in the world. But him managing Arsenal, though, would be um, fucking awful. Awesome. Can you imagine Kane, Kane scoring a goal for Arsenal against Tottenham? He would, he, and then not celebrate. And then not ce- fucking fuck celebrate, you, you cunt. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Get Pochettino can fuck off. Okay, right. Pochettino. Then. All right, I'm with you as well. Pochettino. Yes. Uh, Jenna Tassi says, who do, you think is the, who do you think is the current most punchable player at Arsenal? You can only pick one. Granduzzi. Yeah, he can get a dig. His but I, he's a very good. You know what? He's actually really good, and it's so annoying. He actually yeah. had a decent. I don't know why I got taken. I don't know if it's because um, tactical or yeah, it's tactical. It's been Torreira on to close if it's the game. Me, if it's me not getting football again, and he was bad, but no, no, he was. He was. He was decent. Um, I, I think um, Bamiang and Lacazette. I get two. Bamiang. <laughs> uh, only because only of that penalty that when they did the commentating over the penalty when uh, when they played us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I rate Lacazette highly. And no, uh, sorry, uh, about me. Um, but as a bunch of players, this is the least punchable Arsenal team I've experienced in a long time. You know what? I don't even know what half of these players look like. No. If I saw Torreira or any of them on the street, I think who would I recognise? Well, just the, on the, the, street? Wh- the white ones. You don't. Or <laughs> you look the same. I'm trying to think. Actually, I um, recognise Cacciani. Well, what's your most punchable Arsenal player in history? Fabregas. Yeah, because yeah, Fabregas. Yeah. He's, got the, he's got the Chelsea link as well. Fabregas yeah. by a mile. Yeah, you get it. I still quite like to punch Merson, I think, but that's more because of what he's done after, after football. I don't, I don't I mind Merson. I mentioned this before, but I had an irrational fear of uh, Ray Parler when he got the ball. And he was like a box-to-box workman-like midfielder. Yeah, he yeah, incredible. Yeah. He was very good. I, I, I used to get the absolute shits every time he got the ball and Spurs played him. Terrible. You know what? Um, this is going a bit... 
bit left, but last Friday BT showed um like back to back um like North London derbies yeah. like the seventies and the eighties and they showed um the Littlewoods Cup semi final and um Littlewoods Cup is the League Cup yeah, for League people Cup, that are not, for not nearly dying. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the two legs we were level so we had to have a third game. Yes, I have a fucking penalty shoot at yes, you idiots. That's how it was back So, then. for only three minutes of the entire three games, Arsenal were ahead and they got through. Oh, mate. Fucking fuck painful as fuck. Nothing much changes, really, is it? No. Two, two is a great memory for two to keep. He loves that kind of shit. That's yeah. my first season, that's why. Um, James Smith on Facebook. This is a general, normal fighting court listeners now. I have a beautiful girlfriend and I'm not the best looking lad around. Much like my team, Spurs, I've been performing above my expectation and punching above my weight. The thing is, I have shagged my girlfriend, but I am very worried that my team won't actually get laid and win a trophy. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Are we? Uh, do you feel like we're going? We're any closer to winning a trophy? Like it doesn't feel like we're going to win anything. Does it? <laughs> no, <laughs> not ever. <laughs> doesn't feel like we're ever going to win anything. It, it does feel that way. Um, this will be the first decade since the Second World War that have not won a fucking trophy. Imagine okay. that. Well, hang on. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, because still, still in the league, yeah. <laughs> technically. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's so difficult to say because the FA Cup was just so symptomatic of us not signing anyone because the second string was just so fucking bad, you know? Mm. And as for the League Cup, well, that was just one of those things. But it does feel like we're never going to win a trophy again. Yeah, it's just us now, isn't it? It's just yeah. I, I think until we fix up our <coughs> squad and have a um, proper squad, the proper squad in place, it's tough to win the FA Cup and the League Cup. I mean, mm. we nearly got there this year, but then I, I think City probably would have beaten us. Have you ever been with a girl who felt like you was punching? Uh, no, of course not. Of <laughs> <That> course <was> not. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had one night stands where I felt like I was punching. Yeah, yeah, but that's fine, isn't it? Yeah, I've had that. Uh, <laughs> you can literally punch them. <laughs> Situations where you punch him with his cock, he meant with yeah. his cock, not yeah. where your friends, your, your friends have looked at you and they they like wow. state of shock. Yeah, you've yeah. actually but managed you to pull it off. Yeah, have you, do you remember that meme with uh, Harry Kane where he's kind of bursting past people and oh, the last day of the, of the old stadium. Yeah, and he's kind of getting past people. Yeah, and yeah. He's got like, a look in his eyes and it says, uh, "Your mate is trying to hold you back when a, a two out of ten has been whispering <laughs> dirty stuff in your ear." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crack in me, but I fucking love that one. I've got to find that one. Uh, Lee Batuk on Facebook, he says, has the reintroduction of Kane reduced the potency of Son? Do you think that Poch sometimes has a tendency to over-rotate the team or change a winning, albeit not convincing, grant, granted formula? We had the same discussion when Kane came back from injury last time. Yeah, I mean, there's a bloke on Facebook saying we, should have, we shouldn't have let him back in at all. I mean... I don't know about that. Yeah, that's madness. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think if you look at the games we won while Kane was out, they were kind of scrappy wins. And expected to win. Yeah, and then the game against Leicester we won, we were a little bit lucky and we hit them. They were playing a high line and Sun was able to get in behind. I'm taking Dortmund out of the equation here. And then the games that we've lost with Kane back has been against teams who've sat deep and nullified Ericsson. So I don't think <laughs> it's anything to do with Kane coming back. No, nor do I. It's a good answer. Uh, Mr J... Uh, Mr. J. Yid, MJR Yid, uh, says, despite the penalty save, does Loris need need replacing in the summer? Where are you at with Hugo? I think there are higher priorities than the goalkeeper position to to replace. Um, 
Right back and central midfield, much much higher priority to replace than Hugo. Um, if we were if <clears throat> if we were in a Man City situation, then have at it. But I don't think we're going to easily afford a better keeper than Hugo. But I don't. I think there's higher priorities. Yeah, I, I mean, Windy, who loves a depressing tweet, he he listed yeah. all the Tottenham players we've got, and um, because we've skipped two transfer windows, essentially, we've got a lot of players who are now 28, 29, who will need replacing. <coughs> Lloris is a is a goalkeeper who, despite his problems, is still top ten in the world. So I don't think he needs replacing. Although I don't think he's fit for purpose. But he's not a, as T says, he's not an, it's not a priority. Gazzaniga maybe. No, no, fair enough. Uh, final question, Eric Dyer's spleen. He says the facilities manager at work is a proper rank gooner, lazy, self entitled, etc. I've not let on to him, but I'm a Spurs fan, as I have to get on side with him and ask a lot of favours for him to do my job effectively. I know for a fact he'd make my life harder and be stubborn if he finds out I'm Spurs. Have you ever withheld your Spurs credentials in order to ease a situation? Or if not, on the flip side, have you benefited or got special treatment for being fully coys? Are you guys open about supporting Spurs around anyone? Because I've, I've probably said in the podcast before, I don't tell people I support Spurs unless the situation really calls for it. I've been at jobs where I just don't tell people that I support Spurs. Um, I mean, obviously, in your line of work, you kind of have to, because it's... Yeah, yeah, with Bull Street, I, I had to, obviously. <coughs> um, and before that, my manager, I'd known him for so long, and he was a Spurs fan as well, and it was a very small office. But I never talked about Tottenham in that office. I yeah. never. I was sat next to a gooner. Uh, nice gears actually, but I've never talked football with him. It was almost like we never agreed to yeah. talk about it, but we never spoke about it with each other. What he did actually used to do, he used to irritate me with complain about Chelsea and then want me to get involved in that complaint. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, fuck you, I'm with Chelsea here. If it's against you, I'm with Chelsea. <laughs> uh, that That's it really. I don't, no, nah, I mean, my ex-girlfriend's mum used to be, he's a massive gooner. And I used to, when I used to go around and stay there, like the whole family would be in the room and it would, was when on replay for him and I'd have to listen to them fucking smash everybody up. I think it was actually during the Invincibles. Oh, fuck's sake. It was that year. Um, so, no, nah, I'm not really, um, but I'm, I'm cool with you, don't you know what I mean, using, being kind of selective with the truth. How about you, Vardy? Yeah, I mean, the last the last five years of work, I've never I've either worked with ladies who don't have an interest in football or men who don't really care about football. So I've been quite lucky that if there's been a bad result, I've been able to go to work and just hide from it. So not really. The only time work has ever crept up in my job is I think I mentioned it a few years ago is when the the one of the vice presidents of my company, who's a massive Spurs fan came over and he goes, Anthony, can you come in my office? And I thought I was in trouble. And he sat me down and goes to me, yeah, I heard you support Spurs and I heard you have a little um, radio thing and, <laughs> and a fanzine. And I was just like, fuck, yeah. he doesn't listen, does he? Oh, but, he but he doesn't listen. But oh. I got him a couple of fanzines and from then on, I always got preferential treatment for, with him. And that's the way it should be. Like, if you know someone who Spurs, you've got to give them a kind of foot up yeah. and help them out. Um, I had an example about... Um, Oh, fuck, it's gone. It's like nepotism yeah, amongst yeah. Spurs fans. Always sort out your, your brothers out. Um, okay, that's it for the Fighting Cock podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Wendy, uh, Wendy, sorry, T and Bardi. You're welcome. Pleasure. Um, absolutely lovely seeing you guys again. Um, we are doing the Dortmund social, so if you haven't got tickets, then you can. They're £5. Um, all of the fans bet offering went really quickly, 200 
Uh, so it's going to be about 300 of us there. If you're a patron, don't have to pay, just show your confirmation on the door. And that's about it. Please join us on Patreon. Support, show love. We're going to do amazing things. We will. Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.